There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 378. I think there might be just a few tickets left for the Nerds Podcast at San Diego Comic-Con. If you go to nerds.com slash calendar, you can find the link there. Um, we have a very special guest who we will be able to announce in the coming days, but um, you will like the guest a lot. So uh, please, please, please go uh, grab some tickets. I'm going to be moderating a bunch of panels. I'll announce that too. It's really a lot of stuff I can't announce yet, Katie. Why am I even talking about things? Here's some stuff that I can't tell you about. Hey, here's a thing, but I can't tell you exactly what it is. I apologize for the veil of secrecy, but soon all answers will be revealed. Go to Nerdist.com or Nerdist.com slash calendar or follow uh, on Facebook Nerdist, Instagram Nerdist, Twitter Nerdist, Google Plus Nerdist. It's everything. There's even some beta social networks where I parked that shit, Katie. I'd like to thank for sponsoring this episode. Oh, Katie's sitting right here, by the way. I didn't think your name was Katie, the listener. And if your name is Katie, uh, then there is probably a, a sliver of poop in your underwear from hearing me shout your name at you. Um, but hopefully that's that's not the case. Clean up your underwear, Katie. I was actually talking to Katie in the studio over here. Come on, Katie. Oh, um, this episode of the Nerds Podcast is brought to you by LegalZoom. Inventors, entrepreneurs, you guys need to protect your stuff, protect your intellectual property or IP, as the kids call it right now. Yeah, kids use terms like IP now. Register your trademark, protect your products and services, incorporate or form an LLC, and launch your dream business. Just visit LegalZoom.com. They're going to take care of you from start to finish. They've already helped out about a million businesses get started right. Celebrate innovation with LegalZoom. For a limited time, get a special price on trademark and copyright uh, applications by using the referral code NERDIST at checkout. Protect your creations and launch your dream at LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom can provide self-help services at your specific direction, or they can connect you to an attorney, but... Please note, they are not a law firm. Don't forget to use the referral code NERDIST at LegalZoom.com. This episode is Randy Pitchford, who is president and one of the co-founders of Gearbox Software, uh, which is a company, among other things, that uh, made expansion packs for Half-Life. They made Brothers in Arms, uh, Borderlands 1 and 2. And Randy and I met when I hosted the Dice Awards this year. He turned out to be a super cool guy and... This chat was a blast because I said, look, if you're ever in Los Angeles, let me know what happened to the podcast. And he was. And so this was the result. But I absolutely love hearing someone who is not only incredibly knowledgeable, uh, but also really passionate about um, about what they make. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who uh, does what anyone should do, which is he loved something and made a career out of it and uh, this was the week before E3 that we recorded this um, so there 
you know, if you're like, how come they didn't talk about the controversy? I don't know if that's how you talk, but let's just... In my head, that's how you talk. Uh, and so that's why it, was, it hadn't happened yet. So this was recorded May 31st and then got bumped a few weeks because a bunch of people had podcasts that, that were very time-sensitive and had to go up to promote things. So uh, this was the soonest that I could get it up, and I put it up as soon as possible. And then also in a, a week or two, I'll put up uh, Ken Levine, um, who uh, I, just, I just love talking to um, um, gaming software guys. So here we go. There's podcast number 378. With Randy Pitchford. Hashtag boner farts. Now entering Nerdist.com. Uh, Randy Pitchford, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? It's good to see you, and I'm glad this actually worked out because I we chatted when I hosted the Dice Awards. That's right. And I was like, come on the podcast. And you were like, all right. Who won <laughs> Best Andrew Dice Clay this year? Uh, <laughs> it was actually Andrew Dice Clay took oh, it again. Oh, God, every year this guy. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> it almost went to the guy who played Turtle, and then uh, also Susan Lucci was nominated again, but never won. <laughs> Jerry Ferrara has a name, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, where do you live? Where's Gearbox? I live in Dallas. Texas. Oh, you are in well, Dallas, Plano. It's a suburb of Dallas. Dallas is a collection of a lot of suburbs. It seems like, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think anyone actually lives in the city. Is there? Has anyone ever actually been? Have you actually been to Dallas? Could you define Dallas? <laughs> All we know about Dallas is JFK went there and never came back, right? That's, That's the one thing what? that people so we don't are go sure downtown. about. LA's the same way. There's not really a... Yeah, Robert Kennedy went here and never came back. <laughs> oh, no. there's, there's not really a... <laughs> there's a theme here. Yeah. It's like a Bermuda Triangle of <laughs> with, politicians. With two points, so it's yeah. more like a Bermuda line. If you work line. in any other sector, you're fine. It's the Bermuda line. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. Everything, everything's fine. But, okay, so you guys are based out of, yes. uh, out of Texas. Yes. Yeah, but I lived here. I lived in L.A. I lived, didn't you go to UCLA? I did. So did I. Right on. Look at yeah. that. Yeah, I didn't care for anything about like being a Bruin. I just, you know, was going to school. So. You were just, yeah, you were just going to yeah. school. Yeah. Like people, like sometimes like US people, people come up to me, they're like, Arr. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Oh, USC, I'm the exact same <laughs> like, way. I don't really like, care about any Don't of that. talk to this guy. He's a Trojan. I'm like, like, I don't. Uh, okay. Whatever. It doesn't <laughs> make a difference. Grr. <laughs> you curses. Exactly. Some people got really into it, though. You go, oh, yes, they did. Because they have nothing else. <laughs> they have nothing else. <laughs> you know, my mom would always say to me, like, Aren't you going to go to the game? And I'm like, which, which, exactly. which game? I, I didn't go to a single she, game. And she'd be like, have some pride. Like, I never even knew what. <laughs> I was like, is it, a, is it basketball? Yeah. Or is it, she was yeah. like, it's football. Have some pride. Exactly. Like, I, well, I do have pride. It's just not in. You UCLA know. is more college basketball known. Yeah. John Wooden. Never sure. mind. Forget it. Sports. No, no. I know sports that. Guys. I know that name. All right, good. Yeah, good. the John Wooden Center. Okay, well, he's named named after him. <laughs> Did you graduate? Did you go there? No, I, I I am not a graduate. I I went to the real world before getting a degree. So. You were, oh, which yeah. one? New York, San Francisco, <laughs> San Francisco, Miami, Cancun. Uh, what did you study at UCLA? I, well, I started, I was going to study law, and then my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, helped me realize that that is absolutely not what I should be doing, that I was built to entertain people. So I spent all my time at home with my computer, and she kind of said, hey, you should probably do something with that. And she was right. 
And it so. worked out okay. Yeah, yeah. It seems I mean, to have worked I, out all right. I was, I, was, I was actually performing as a magician at the Magic Castle. No way. A, a wizard, so that's how I made money when I was going to school. And I always liked, you know, entertaining people. But with video games, it's awesome because I can make, like, one thing and reach, like, zillions of people. Whereas, like, with Magic, I can only entertain as the number of people that are, like, in the room. Well, you know? video games it's are sort like of like... Podcast. And then with close-up magic, it's just like... That, well, yeah, that's, 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 that's my favorite stuff. That's my favorite <laughs> but stuff. But video games are also... Video games are, like... Parlor magic, but also close-up magic exactly. at the same You're time. Right. Yeah, that's there's, a stretch. There's a lot of the I think similar... that was a bit of a stretch. No, well, <laughs> or was you. it a sleight of hand? Thank you for pointing out the obvious, Jonah. <laughs> I like the the Job gesture. Yeah, the, I did a little. I did a little ma- ma- that's, magic. That's what hands. magic is. Are you watching Arrested? Oh, Have you watched... hell yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, we watched all three seasons. Just like we did a marathon back to back before, you know, the Saturday or Sunday or whenever. Now, how do you have time to do that? What with Gearbox Dude, and when all? I, when I'm like. Friday evening, I come home, and like from Friday evening until Monday morning, all I do is sit on my ass in my pajamas, consuming content, playing video games. You watching, hear that, Chris? That's watching. a life. Great. It's that's a lot. It's, it's a weekend. It's a time to just relax. It's all a day I do off. Is just sit on my ass and watch things and yeah. play with things. And oh, man. That sounds toys awesome. And read stuff. And yeah, it's, it's possible. Cool. What have you been playing lately? Oh, dude. Well, which platform? Um, Xbox. We've been playing on Xbox. Uh, let's see. You've been playing. Um, I played uh, Bioshock Infinite. Nice. Me too. I played. Um, I was playing Assassin's Creed Three. I haven't finished it yet, so I'm kind of bouncing back in. And me out either. For that. some reason, I cannot. It's weird. It's that like game. they took some of the Assassin's Creed out of Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And it's neat. It's beautiful, and it's an amazing setting. And I enjoy of, walking around the streets and going, yeah. "That's correct. That's correct. Good job." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you watch it. Like, it's like the History Channel yeah. for you. But I loved, I loved, I thought Bioshock was real. Oh, was real. Ken nailed it. It was awesome. Well, what's interesting for me is I I played it um, around October, November. Uh, Ken asked me to come up and play through it just sure. to give him notes. Sure. And uh, and it was awesome. And then it, it's really interesting to get that double tap to see what the final release product right is like and see all the differences and the subtleties and stuff. And there, there's a few differences. It was cool. I talked to him when I was midway through the game. And he was like, I was close to the ending. And he goes, okay, you're either going to hate me after you see the ending or you're going to think it's the greatest thing you've ever seen. And, and I thought the ending, I'm, I'm not oh, going to give it brilliant. away. I thought it was fucking fantastic. Oh, it was brilliant. Do it those was... things have to be mutually exclusive, though? Yeah. Can't you enjoy the ending and also hate them? But I really actually, I really like the end of it a lot. Because yeah. I, I really felt like they, the whole time I was like, how is this going to... And which is why I think is not just with video games, but with any medium where they start throwing out these really big concepts during the during the whatever it is, the yeah, game or yeah. the show or the movie. And many times they just don't tie it up. They're like, ah, yeah. it's, it's chat, you know, but oh, this I really feel like they did. It's a interesting. Good job. They simultaneously tied it up. And then they also kind of created this. Like I told Ken, it's like, man, now now somebody's gonna have to make like a thousand different Bioshock games. Like you could, yeah, right. Like so, or you could just never make another one again. Like e- either either is an acceptable kind of future. But th- those are the only two futures. Like there can either be a thousand <laughs> Bioshocks or none ever again. There's no like single sequel possible. Do, is it uh, is is it this sort of uh, kind of fraternity of developers where you guys all? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a fraternity. There's no official club, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a there's a lot of us that have developed you know a lot of respect and we know each other and some of us have grown up together in this industry right so we we kind of trust each other like for example um 
one like uh, every single game i think in the entire last generation that either um epic made or the gearbox game like cliffy and i would go back and play each other's games and give each other notes and stuff and it, we we got a lot of value out of that and um i think it was actually rod up at irrational that was kind of whispering in ken's ear like hey you should you know we we used to do this with randy a lot and and we get some good notes out of it so give it a shot that's cool what was your first uh did you did you grow up playing uh arcade games console games or like did you like text-based pc everything, games everything yeah i think it was the text-based pc games that kind of turned me into a game maker zork um I, actually before that colossal cave which was the colossal cave adventure was like the inspiration for zork zork was basically like a clone or a copy of colossal cave adventures i don't know if you've ever played i don't think i played colossal cave i love the shit you know, out of zork. you're standing at the end of a you know small road in front of a red build red brick building and you know north you know or right or build you know it's the same kind of deal and um it's a fantasy kind of universe and the goal is to dive into this dungeon and collect all the treasure and bring it back to the house and, simple and what i feel like and certainly what i feel like you guys have managed to do and then come and also like like gabe and valve and is i i loved that there there was sort of like a i don't know how how to describe it but just like a sort of a snarky nerdiness to the all those original like even like the original D&D books mm. where yeah. they there was almost a little bit of a, a, a an acknowledgement to the user uh, like a little bit of a sometimes wink and some, some snark fourth, fourth wall breaking yeah yeah in, exactly in in, in, in uh, pen and paper form yeah yeah and yeah. and and you sort of you know that that's when it sort of spoke to me the most i'm like oh these guys who are making this they are me they oh, are dude, like me. if you like that kind of stuff the the next dlc that's coming out for borderlands 2 it's called tiny tina's assault on dragon's keep and the whole pre- premise is tiny tina is running basically a D game she calls it bunkers and badasses <sighs> and the characters in borderlands are players so when you're playing the game she'll be like and then a giant dragon comes and like you know it just kills everybody at the beginning you're like dude you can't create an impossible <laughs> boss monster in the first you know and all the characters start bitching she says okay forget it and she'll like bring everybody back to life remove the boss monster and like replace it and now it's a skeleton guy thing you know and then this other thing appears and um other characters will say like i should totally be in this adventure and then they'll just swap out in front of you like uh you know there's this one part where you go into this forest and it's like you know, she says like it's the fantastical forest. It's all like dark and dreary. It's like this doesn't look right, Tina. It needs to be, and like, and instantly it changes into. <laughs> you know, it's like, like she's narrating and playing the dungeon master, and the game is changing in real time based That's on. That it's pretty. It's pretty uh, meta. There's a whole bunch of fun. We play with that premise that you were just talking about to the nth degree in this well uh, that's what my because my my girl my girlfriend who's a huge uh, is fucking a, a, a massive video game awesome uh, is, uh, i like um, her <laughs> she, she she actually cosplayed as gage like she Woo! made this insane oh dude i should see uh, send us a picture of that one. i will send it around to our our fans because she we built love that a kind of fucking stuff. foam robot oh uh, yeah it's crazy I'll, I'll show you i'll show it to you before that's before you leave. sick that's awesome but um uh you know one of the things that she you know because she she loves to talk about this stuff and she was like please express the idea that what i love about borderlands was that it sort of brought the this kind of a an informality to and a looseness with the player, you know, uh, where you sort of felt like you were part of it. Yeah, so, yeah, we, we, yeah, we definitely wink a lot. And Anthony's amazing at that. He's the author, you know, the, the head, the lead writer for Borderlands Two. And he's, uh, I don't know if you know Anthony Birch. He has a show, a web show called Hey Ash, What You Playing? Have you guys ever seen that? I've not seen that. Oh, let's check it out. It's pretty good. It's a little thing he did, you know, he did for a while when he was a Destructoid, and um, it's it's pretty self-aware and uh it's got all those you know nod at the 
you know, because we video games are, are stupid, right? Like they're just like we do so many silly things that you just can never get away with. Um, but we, you know, there's excuses because it's a video game. So he he kind of plays with a lot of those those premises in his work, and you feel it in Borderlands. Well, that's kind of the um, that's sort of the John K. the John Crickfalusi idea of cartoons, where it's like it's a cartoon, fucking yeah. play with it. That's right. Like yeah. don't take it so seriously. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes games try to like excuse all the gameisms you know yeah. they like try to create constructs that, oh this is why it's a gameism you know and uh but like borderlands just didn't give a fuck it actually embraced it and amplified all that stuff well here's here's where there's a, a collective scream i mean at the audience which is i have not played borderlands what? but i and i and, and i could pretend like i did but i don't do that um and your <laughs> girlfriend has and she it's played like, the shit of it and i and watched it's like her the play best some... co-op game ever you guys should be playing together well and that and that well and okay that's a whole other issue <laughs> like that's a whole other thing that you don't have time for games anymore, with the relationship right? or with the game with the, with the <laughs> God, if we could just learn to work together. Here's the thing: I had I had quit playing video. I, I was like addicted video game okay. addict. From, oh, okay. So you were recovering. From, yeah, like seriously. You, you from let it go too far. From Moderation, late, sir. Late seventies until about two thousand three. Okay. Um, like I was a kind of like I'm skipping class to play. You know, like oh, I shit. I would skip class so I could burn through Super Mario three, or okay. I would skip. Uh, audition so I could get so you've through got a problem. GTA or yeah or, or Wild Arms or any of those. I loved like big RPG okay, games okay, and yeah, like yeah. like forty hour games. And so um, I quit for like five years. But um, what happened is with Nerdist when I started getting busier and I mean obviously because when I worked at G four you know we were covering E three and we were and I was yeah, like yeah. I can't not play games if yeah, I'm working yeah, yeah. at G four. And so it was a fun. It was one of the things in you know 2008 for me was that I got to I had a reason I was like well now I have to play again yeah, you yeah. know because it's work yeah okay. and so and then so then I and then I then I started playing again but um, with Nerdist I had gotten so busy in the last year year and a half that you know I would have maybe just a little bit of time each night to play something and uh, and I I got really obsessed about Skyrim for a while oh really yeah. well just because it's such a it was that it was like oh here's an epic that's a great game here's yeah. an epic you know I've pl- I played the game for hundreds of hours right. and exhausted pretty much pretty much every quest and so I just didn't have I'm just getting to a point now where it's like like you said oh I actually have like a little bit of chunk of free time here and there because some things are up and running so you are an addict like you get into Skyrim and you can't just sample it you just have to she got so Chloe got so mad at me <laughs> especially when she was playing through Borderlands 2 and she was like you fucking moron this is the fucking one of the greatest games ever and you're still if you like Skyrim and I can't you're still playing Skyrim you and like I was like Borderlands 2. I know but I, I just want to get to level 50 like shooters. if you also like shooters like Bioshock like yeah it's it's like the perfect amalgamation well I, I watched her play and, and, yeah. and, 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 and a game like Borderlands instantly appeals to me because it's funny and because you know of things like boner farts it's funny (laughs) yeah like boner farts i'm glad to yeah boner farts yeah (laughs) that's funny you know it's one of our proudest moments (laughs) (laughs) the word the boner farts moment yeah (laughs) um so when you're uh how much of a hand do you have in the uh, do, do you do you consult on it? Like when you have a bunch of games that you guys are making, are you uh, in essence a consultant, or do you just sort of focus in on one thing? It depends on the game. Um, the, the you know I'm part of a, a a group of people that are driving and conceiving everything, so I'm I tend to you know be part of the the ground floor of of everything that we do. I mean, it's just the nature of my position. Um, and, and I, you know, I started in this industry as a programmer and then I became a designer. Um, so I'm a craftsman, like I got in the industry to build games. So I'm always, there's always like, I'll tend to pick up a task or two that I'm actually in the critical path on, on, on everything we do. But, um, but that said, there are, 
you know, there's 200 people in my studio and there's an incredible talent. So, you know, there's a whole lot of folks that make what we do and, and, and everyone's, especially with a game like Borderlands, which just affords uh, creativity from every direction, right? You know, some designer will have some crazy idea and it's like, dude, run with that. Make, make that happen and realize that in our space. And, you know, everybody kind of has learned what works and what doesn't. So it, it, there doesn't have to be a lot of, you know, totalitarian oversight for consistency it's 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 a game that's perfect for you know going wild with so it it, it, it's it's everything in there is is a is a consequence of 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 a team thing like the boner farts thing like there was a whiteboard of you got to name this thing you know and um just whiteboard of all these random stupid things and people started calling out dumb shit and boner farts one of them so that so anthony and and paul and and the designers made a quest out of naming one of the monsters and going through all the different different names including hey we're gonna name that monster boner farts <laughs> if you haven't played it yourself it's you know i'm, I'm just saying the word boner farts and that alone is gonna have to carry the joke well but but also we'll make people play the game to figure sure, out where that sure sure it's uh but yeah it's definitely a meta kind of moment there's this character sir hammerlock who's kind of like you know uh you know this this you know livingston kind of explorer you know safari kind of guy and he's you know classifying the the, the xenofauna on on Pandora naming the creatures and he's trying to come up with a name for this thing that's ultimately called a bullymong and he's going through all these different names and you have to go out and help him with this and it's it's silly. I, I watch her play a lot of the games. Okay, okay. So it's, it's almost not, it's, as good. It's not like I, it's not like I'm unfamiliar <laughs> with it. Not like tell me about this borderland. Yeah, yeah. Fair thing. enough. Fair enough. Um, and I think uh, you know, and certainly when when she talks about games and you know she's pretty passionate about when people are like oh. Video game violence. She's like, no, no. It, it, in a game like Borderlands, it, 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 the, the, the teamwork aspect. Yeah. It, she feels is more valuable than you know. But there's guns. They're like, no, but before. Okay, that's just a. It's a game. Sure, sure. But it sure. actually forces people to work together. There's like a like the co-op aspect is is really um a, a, where you get a totally different experience. Yeah, yeah. We did. We yeah. We sold a game under the premise of 87 bazillion guns. You know. So like yeah. So it. You know the reality is we we created um you know on one level everyone knows what a gun does right so as a as a game design trope it's one of the easiest tools in the universe right you got to put a gun in somebody's hands like oh i point at something pull the trigger and now i understand the game loop right it's simple you don't have to communicate much games that are esoteric or difficult to comprehend or you know you have to educate yourself on what the whole premise is um sometimes lose an audience so i think one of the reasons why borderlands is so uh, success uh, successful and accessible is because it's really clear what what's expected beyond that though you know we we don't really we're not really glorifying we don't like to glorify violence just for the sake of it um so we created a universe where uh you're you're a good guy by doing these like the the things you're destroying need to go down they need to be taken care of because we have like the the fundamental game it's basically it's a shooter and a role-playing game right and the role-playing game stuff is collecting loot and um leveling up Right, so to level up, you kill stuff and you get experience, and then you take the shit from the people you kill. So mm-hmm. kill things and take their shit. So we had to uh, we had to invent a universe where if you kill things and take their stuff, you're a good guy. And that was like <laughs> that was a that was a challenge, but yeah, that's, that's but but if you play it, like that's why she's able to defend that because she plays it and go, this is actually not violent in the context that you're worried about. If you actually understand it, it's, you know, it's actually, it's got a lot of good messages and good qualities. I, in fact, I will go so far as to say, if you play Borderlands and you understand the concept content and you consume its contexts, 
you will be a better, more moral person. Hey. <laughs> well, and just just know that um, I make the solemn promise to you that I am going to play it. All right, cool. And and I will not that you give you a and shit. six million other people now. Not not that you not not that you give a shit, but I will. No, I, I, I think I will, awesome. I, I will call you afterwards and say I have. I'll, I'll tell you something. We get mail all the time from people like couples that play husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, and uh, th- there was one uh, couple. There was one guy that. At, like he he met his girlfriend playing Borderlands and they fell in love in the game and they happened to live in the same city and they got together and they happened to hit it off and they became a thing and then he was going to propose to her and we actually it was such a he, his, the, hang on a second that game came out <laughs> seven months ago how many months ago no this was this was Borderlands oh 1. okay yeah. oh, I was going to yeah. say it's too soon to get married Borderlands 1 <laughs> came out in 2009 don't worry and, you don't have to get married yet Matt Good. and Good. Borderlands 2 came out in 2012 in September and um, they they had their one year anniversary at our launch party Aww. like for Borderlands 2 That's yeah adorable. And, and, and in fact we had we made a little he, when he wanted to pro- propose he sent us this awesome letter and it was uh, uh, it, it really touched us so I sent it around to the team we're like oh this this guy's too awesome so we, we actually made a little video of Claptrap the character from the video game proposing to his his girlfriend, and no he, he had everybody come over, and he said, "Hey, we're gonna play," you know, because they, they apparently did these co-op sessions where a bunch of friends would come over and they'd all play Borderlands together. So he sets up the Xbox, you know, hits hits start, and instead of the game starting, this thing comes up, and she's like, "What the fuck?" And and like one of the friends, you can watch on YouTube, one of the friends video. Yeah. Oh it, no way! And it's it was incredible. It was you know, so like those That's stories rad. are great. So like, you know, I see that maybe you can become closer with I, I, with I, Chloe if you. You know, well, I well, I will because it, yeah. it is it is actually very important to her because you know for Chloe, you know one of the ways that she established a relationship with her father was playing Zelda. Oh, dude, that's so, awesome! So she she so you can totally exploit like the daddy issues thing by playing video games. <laughs> well, I don't have to play video games to do that. Um, so, but they but they're uh, <laughs> shut up, John. <laughs> but they're but but just the idea of using it as a connection yeah. tool, and and I think. And I see this behavior more with game designers of, like you said, of, you know, when someone, when one of your fans reaches out to you, you know, you, you guys tend to be more than in other media that I see uh, really interactive because you're in your demographic. Yeah, and that, so you that's see, part of it. You see yourself in that guy. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah, if, absolutely. If, when, if I were a fan of a game and someone did this to me, I would shit my pants. And so I think I feel like you guys more than any other medium, really are interactive in that way. Well, and we, we have that opportunity, too, because of the nature of how we build games and how we, you know, it's, you know, like I know you do a lot of the movie stuff, but usually there's no interaction between the, f- the filmmakers and, you know, the audience about the content until after the thing's in the can, right? right. So like, there's no real opportunity to, unless you thought of what might, you know, and anticipated it in the, in the script process or in the you know when you're just shooting it or whatever you're you're just stuck with what you got whereas you know we we show things way in advance and people are telling us what they think and then you know when we're making sequels and we're um and we're making dlc and changing like once we launch it's not done like the game keeps changing we'll right. keep modifying it patching it updating it and adding things do you love dlcs like do you um, love that that's we, an option i'll tell you yes that it's an option is great um and for some games you know sometimes there's some kinds of games we'll make and you know we're getting away from this but you know back in the day we'd 
finish and just we're sick of it and we don't ever want to see it again but mm-hmm. like when we finished borderlands one we felt like we just were barely getting started like none of us wanted to actually let it go and so we just you know we shipped the game and then we're like let, let's just keep working and we didn't know we didn't even have a dlc plan we just were making more shit because we yeah. were so fun and we're like hey we're, there's some value here let's start figuring out how to put this together and maybe offer it to people and it worked and every you know and then we we just went nuts with the first game and had just tons of dlc and and going into the second game it allowed us to actually anticipate that and plan for it more and invest in it more so did you have any concept like oh borderlands one's gonna sell like four million cop like did you did you have any concept when you made it did you even care if people bought it or were you like well you know what we were proud of what we made and it doesn't you know like it'd be great if people bought it a little bit of both i mean you know as a as an entertainer you know the dream is you know the, the the metrics are like how many people can we reach and to what extent can we gratify them right it's like the idea is like we exist to make people happy and create joy so part of that metric is how many people can we get to and and obviously we had a lot of confidence and and belief in our in our bet there that's 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 why we, you know, had so much passion in creating it. But uh, certainly, the budget we had didn't anticipate the result. Like we, we, you know, what we needed to do was much less than what actually ended up happening, which was amazing, right? Like when you can have results that are, you know, three or four times what you hoped for, yeah. you're doing really good. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but then, is there an immediate pressure? Like, oh shit. Now well, everything that comes after it's got to be really, really good. Yeah, no, that that always exists, and it doesn't matter what you do. The the expectations are always so high, and it's always an impossible job to live up to them. But like we live in that space, you know. We we did all of the expansions for Half Life. Yeah, know, right. Like, like that was, wasn't that your oh, really? That, that was Gearbox, yeah, Gearbox's our first, first. Our first game was Half Life: Opposing Force. Right? Yeah. So like here yeah. comes Half Life, and it's like oh, this upstart is gonna really you're gonna follow Half Life. Good luck with that. Like everybody thought, oh, those guys are dead, you know, and we. Okay, so it's risky and it's you know big shoes to fill, but we dove in and we were just so passionate about the content. We love the universe those guys created, and you know a lot of our friends were up there working on that stuff, and it, we really wanted to do a good job. And it turned out we happened to make something in that case that everybody really liked, so it was a great start, you know. But you know sometimes like you know we we put a stupid amount of energy and money and time. Uh, into our a- aliens game, but it didn't work out as well. A lot of people didn't appreciate that as much as some of the other things we've done. You know, so it's it's tough as an entertainer. You know, like I, I think about some of the you know movie guys, and that, like sometimes, you know, like Spielberg and Lucas get together and they create like Indiana Jones, and then other times they get together and they create Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, and then like <laughs> you're like what happened, you know? And then like oh, and then you know Spielberg makes Lincoln. And you're like oh, you're good. It's cool. Like <laughs> you know, you, you have skill. Your turn, George. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just it's just it's just <laughs> he might be done now. What's he gonna do next? I don't know. Just be an awesome billionaire that gives away a bunch of money. Gives away a bunch of money. Yeah. I always yeah, thought it'd be cool if he just time. tried to make like a small little personal movie about a family. Or he did. It was of. called Red Tails. I want a movie about a duck. The, the the movie about the Black Squadron of Fighters. Oh, that no, was no. his movie. That was his passion project was to make that movie. You, he, he's he's talking about like like no, a but little... I'm saying with George Lucas, that's a small you'll get. Oh, okay. don't you, Jonah's saying he wants him to make like a Juno. <laughs> yes. I don't care. Not, not like an indie, like a like quirky movie, but like just like this really nice movie about right. a, like it'd be neat to see what he would do with it. You know? I don't. I don't care how big or small. Like I want him to make more content, right? Because somewhere in there is the guy that came up with Star Wars. Yeah. Right. So that guy is still in there somewhere, and there was there was a moment when he was dreaming and passionate and found a way to articulate that into entertainment and like i don't i don't know where he is today but it feels like that there's like i know that guy's in there somewhere he's like under the you know darth vader mask and we just need to crack somewhere it up within the jowls yeah there still lies you know, yeah we well, need we need the blue version of you know the blue <laughs> version of <laughs> yeah of lucas to how, make, how, make stuff for us how is your how how is your team in terms of uh 
I mean, you guys obviously all have to be accountable to one another. And it yeah. is, is that how you is that is that where your quality control lies? Because it's but you know if you start you get a lot of success and then you know pretty soon I think for some people they're in this kind of this stratum where they kind of don't know because they're not really connected yeah, to yeah. you know I'll tell you that the it's it's less about like holding each other accountable and it's you know most of the people that I work like I. I feel like I suck. Like I suck all the time and I'm just trying to get better and learn shit and, and try to suck a little less the next time. But And I think most of the people that thrive at the studio generally have that kind of attitude. And um, like there, there's this like fundamental problem that all artists have, right? Which is your mind, when, you, when we start to imagine something, it's fucking amazing and perfect in our head right like and we can think so quickly and we get ideas so fast and they're perfect in our mind and it takes so much time to realize that into something tangible and when we do it always falls way way short and we feel that right so we're everybody is just super harsh on themselves and we only see the flaws and we you know but we also we we've had to figure out how to just not not let that kill us because you can work on something forever you know, if you don't, especially anything artistic, you could just never be done. You could just keep tweaking it and you'll never reach the thing that's in your head because the thing in your head is perfect. And anything that's actually in the real world. Like is, Chinese democracy. Every, <laughs> everything in the, in the real world is short of perfect, like Chinese <laughs> democracy. And, and uh, you know, so you just got to let it go and, and, and hope for the best. Um, and, you know, take your licks if you didn't get there and, and apply your lessons to the next one. But, yeah, that, that self-hate, like it's like the artist dilemma. We just have to. Well, it's hard because you can't just imprint what's on your brain, what's in your brain, onto a sheet of paper. Yeah, that'd be awesome. As easy, it? it would be so much easier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you're, because a lot of times your hand, your dexterity gets in the way. Yeah. If, you, if you have, de- if your dexterity count is low, how long does it take you guys from like? First of all, who says okay? Here's here's my idea for this video game at the company, and then when who says yes, let's make this one. Hold off on that one. Like so, who does that? So. Ultimately, like, I don't, like, okay, so we've got, like, 200 people, and there's, right. I, I, I have the good fortune of working with, you know, amazing people, people that are way better than me that run circles around me. But there's got to be, like, 12 ul- guys that ul- you don't ul- like working ult- with. <laughs> Out of 200. I mean, those it's are just pretty the odds. odds. It doesn't, no, I don't. I work with two guys I hate. <laughs> well, uh, where? What? John, where? What? Like, uh, in your other job <laughs> as a stand-up? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you know, of the people at this table... Two of you are okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> Wait, he didn't say the third was great. The third could be a complete piece of shit. That's true. No, but, um, the, you know, in spite of all that, like, ultimately, usually I'm, I'm the guy. Like, I, right. like all of the concepts, like... And I, I don't know how to. I don't mean to be condescending with that. And like I, no, just the, that's the question. And, and, Is it, and so it's most you. of the stuff, but but most of the stuff that that I choose to get behind, most of it, um, uh, Brian, who's one of the owner, one of the other, you know, one of my partners, one of the owners of the studio, one of one of the founders with me, like he he he's like this crazy visionary, and so he'll 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 be planting most of the seeds, yeah. and then I'll like some of the seeds I'll be able to feel like. Okay, if I turn that into this, and then like there's a market for that, yeah. and then and then I'll I'll try to rally consensus around that belief, and then and then and then effort starts to happen, and we start to okay. Run sub question yeah. from this from when you say yes, let's go ahead with this from that day to release day, how long of a period of time is that? Depends, man. Like Half Life Opposing Force, um, we sat around in my living room 
talking about the concept of, hey, what if we played from the opposite side? Like we're the soldiers instead of, you know, the scientists. And and that was just one afternoon. And then like a week later, I I flew up to Seattle and pitched Gabe. And then we had that thing on store shelves eight months after that. Wow. Like that's one end of the spectrum. Mm. (laughs) And then the other end of the spectrum is like, there's things that we have been tinkering with that have been, you know, kicked around and have been played with that could be, you know, considered projects that have been going on at Gearbox since 1999. <laughs> right? No one's, no, nothing's been announced. And we will don't do Nuka Me Man. Ever, don't do Nuka Me Man. See, that's that's the that's where it becomes a problem. Once you feel like, oh, I think we've got enough. Let's announce it. Like, don't <laughs> ever like that's the new rule is we're not saying shit until we're like basically alpha with our right. Game. Like, you know, it's like people won't tell you they're pregnant until after a certain amount of time. Yeah, yeah. You know, yes. They want to make sure they like everything's you okay. <laughs> you've got to stop watching. I didn't know I was pregnant. I can't help Those it. Those are rare cases. How can they not know? How can they think it's that they have to take a shit? Well, you know, it's um, happened on uh, expectations are you know they're tough, man. It's like once you once you've made a problem, like with the like for example with the aliens thing, um, the when the deal was done, the ink was not even dry. We hadn't even written first line of code yet, and Sega and Fox were so excited that the the business deal was done, they made a press release. So we hadn't even started working on it, and now the customer can immediately imagine, wow, you know, Gearbox is using the Gears of War engine to make a, yeah. an And Aliens then the clock game. starts ticking in their brains. And they, Yes, and they've got, and, and, and like I was talking about earlier, right, the vision's instant, and it's perfect, and it's amazing, and it's it, it, the, the, the vision you have for that it's impossible to ever and it's there you know what Every, happens everybody i'm gonna be a space marine it's gonna be great yeah. but when the clock starts ticking then it's you know then you have things like e3 where people go i didn't hear anything about that thing they totally dropped the ball then That's people right. just start and writing their own story exactly. you're like god damn it just give it oh fuck you know the e3 display last year was very good they had so, the original alien yeah it's pretty awesome it was pretty sweet but we're, we're not gonna i'm not gonna announce a damn thing until we're pretty far along what's so. one project that you were like Super excited about, it, and then you started doing it, and you're like, "Ah, we can't do this. This isn't going to work." Um, let's see. We haven't had. I mean, there's been a lot of things that we've to- tinkered around with in a concept phase, but there's really not been a lot of things where we've really invested in building that we haven't figured out some path through there. But I'll, I mean, actually, Borderlands is a good example of that. We knew from the beginning. I knew from the beginning that the that blending the RPG elements that we wanted to bring into the FPS space was a good was a good mix. That no one had done that before, and that the things I love about looting, like when I play like a game like that. Di- have you played Diablo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like Diablo, right? You like I always play as a sorceress. Yeah, you 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 you, you click, click in the mouse and, and you kill shit and loot comes out and you collect the loot and you get experience and you level up and it's just this awesome loop, right? And if you think about the actual skill test like you're you're pointing a, a cursor at an icon and you're clicking like the skill the <laughs> and then actual you're, and then you're out of it the actual skill to play the game it's the same skill that's required to launch the application right it's like i could play the only difference between desktop and Diablo is the whole well, loot and leveling. I'm double clicking in the to open the application. But you're, but, but you're, but you're <laughs> if you're on a PC. But like your melee is automated. Yeah, like a lot of things are just sort of, and it's it's actually because it's so accessible that, it, that it's good for so many users. So I don't want to criticize the game loop. It's an amazing game loop. But but what makes it compelling is the is the fact that I'm getting loot. I'm making choices about gear. I'm growing my character. I'm I'm exploring. I'm discovering things, and I'm I'm leveling up, and I'm becoming more powerful. 
all of those things. There's nothing about any of those things that are mutually exclusive with the loop of a shooter. Now, the shooter is typically on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. There is most shooters you play. There's no difference between the character at the end of the game and the character at the beginning of the game. Right. There, there, are, there's no growth. There's no, there's no choice. Like there's, it's really mostly the the compulsion is it's a fun loop. Like it just feels good to move and aim and the feedback when you pull the trigger and it makes an awesome sound and you see the feedback of the you know the enemy getting hit and it's just it's just it's just fun in like the moment to moment. But it kind of sucks in the long thing. You know, sometimes we make these really shitty narratives that are supposed to be the thing that makes you want to see the next level. But you know, let's face it, most FPS games have terrible you know storytelling and and that isn't enough. Um, and, and so it's really the moment to moment fun and that those, the moment to moment fun of a shooter, there's nothing about that that's mutually exclusive with the like longer range engagement that comes from looting and leveling and growth and choice and discovery that you find in a looter, you know, like an RPG game. And so that we knew that I knew that bet was correct. I knew that was going to work. We just had to figure out how to tweak and tune and balance and design it. The thing that we completely fucked up on and had no, like we were just totally off base when we started the game, we, the, the art direction was realism. Like if you go back and you can actually see demos of Borderlands when it was like it looked like fucking Call of Duty. Like it was like it was trying yeah. to be super realistic and it didn't fit at all with the tone or the, the like what we were going for. And we went like most of the development down that road and it was like this is not gonna work. It was actually my partner Brian that I was talking about earlier said you know, he, he decided he was gonna solve that problem and he went in the tank and he took a few guys off to the side and uh, and they invented this whole new art style, and they they had some inspiration. There was this there's this really awesome short that was done like some guys out of Asia that it was called Code Hunters that has like some you can feel some of the art, and we put a like direct homage Easter egg right at the beginning of the game to you know pay homage to those guys. We put Easter eggs all over our yeah. games. We love that stuff. But he what he did was he he just turned it on its head and, and just basically threw away all of the realism shit and created this you know graphic novel come to life kind of look and once that happened it, like we all were cut loose and it, the game really became great and I don't know I, it might have the game might have sucked if we didn't make that call if we didn't yeah. trash our original art, art, art design and, and go with this new one and so was that that was sort of the genesis of that game was we want to combine these two different styles of game yeah. to create so ha, are, are there any games that you develop that it's just like story first I Oh, I really want to tell this this particular story, and then you and then you sort of figure out like what's appropriate. Yeah, in fact, in fact, um, you know, to to let you in behind the curtain a little bit, uh, you can, can you can imagine a game promise um, by breaking it into these three ideas. One is story, another is style, and the third is design. Story isn't like the plot; it's like the 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 premise, like who, what, why, where, when. Like, are you a space marine saving the world from aliens? Are you you know a wizard slaying dragons? Are you you know yourself solving puzzles like whatever there's some narrative there that's just the general premise behind it that's story style is look and feel it's art direction it's audio direction um and design is like the controls like what buttons do i press and what you know what genre is it in as far as a gameplay loop goes where's the camera you know camera and control are a lot of of what the design is and the three things together kind of if they all work in concert, you have those are the best games where everything kind of feeds into itself. But almost every single time a game is first conceived of, it starts with one of those three points. Sometimes it starts on story, like I'd like to make a wizard game or something, mm-hmm. right? or sometimes it's uh, on design. Like, wouldn't it be neat if, like in the case of Borderlands, if we blended RPG and shooter? Right, that was started as a design. Some of its um, style, um, Brothers in Arms started on style, like we the, like desaturated. You know, gritty, you know, using kind of juxtaposing modern technology with, 
you know stock footage from the 1940s right what and it started on a on a style point of view and then from there we thought okay it's probably a war game right and then like okay what war like we were all over the fucking place we were like we were thinking civil war like we weren't we didn't start with the story of world war ii we we actually arrived there after we did some research and learned something about war and then game design was last like okay now that we know something about this war wow it turns out that these dudes fought um not like what we're used to in video games where it's just like you know but they actually there's fire and maneuver and there's you know flanking and suppressing and there's all these tactics involved in close combat and 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 the other thing that was interesting that we learned when we were exploring the story aspects was that uh, the guy, like, we talked to a lot of veterans, and almost every time when, like, we'd ask the tough questions, like, okay, dude, how do you fucking shoot another human being? Or how do you get your head up and expose yourself so that someone, you know, someone's going to blow your head off so that you can aim your gun and actually try to kill someone else? Like, how do you fucking do that? What is it, you know? And what we learned over and over is it was never about, like, duty on our country. It was never about, like, oh, it's, you know, democracy or, you know, they, in the moment, it was like, I don't want the guy next to me to think I'm a coward or I don't want to let down the guy next to me because it's always, and that's where the whole brothers in arms concept came from. It's, we learned it's all about the brotherhood between soldiers and the fact that you just, when there's a guy that's counting on you and you're counting on him, like nobody wants to be the shithead there. So they just put themselves in these extreme situations and do the hard job. And, uh, and so, so that's an example where style came first that led to story and that, and the story things we learned led to the design of the tactical gameplay and, you know, squad combat and like you know working with teammates and stuff and well it's hard to have i mean it, I, it, just to have that kind of holistic idea you know because obviously some people are better at one thing yeah but then oh the game looked like shit oh that's a cool idea but that, then it's oh that, that's, that didn't really i think that's one of the superpowers of gearbox and i it's probably if i had like there's a lot of things that there's people at my studio that run circles around me and like i mean i'm a oh i'm like a okay to shitty programmer today and i'm like i'm a pretty i think i'm a pretty good designer but we've got some amazing people that are just unbelievable at that stuff but probably my superpower is is thinking about the nexus of how those fit together and you know borderlands was an interesting case study because we started with the design pitch and we knew like i knew for certain if somebody cracks this nut holy shit it's like gonna work because it's so like rpg loops are so addicting and so engaging in spite of the worst you know game loops and or simplest mechanics possible meanwhile shooters done well are just fun just in the moment so i knew that was going to work um and then store we kind of invented a story you know the the premise the setup that allowed for these things like like i said earlier like we had to come up with a universe where you're a good guy if you kill people and steal their shit right like so that that was the so story followed design and then style was like we fucked it up not only did it come last but we missed like we started with this realism thing and 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 it took one of our artists to fix it at least you figured it out yeah yeah (laughs) when you said hey everybody we're changing the way this looks did everybody put their heads against the wall and just go oh. no it was it was the opposite of that because i think every i think for a long time most of us felt there was a little disconnect there we trust the game design loop was so good that i think it'll worked out either way mm. and i think we were afraid actually of going non-realism because we know there's fundamentally kind of a ceiling with that like in 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 if you're trying to think about like i want to create a mega property in video games right there's a ceiling to non-realistic art direction like it, you, you just can't like there's no example you could find of someone doing better than say 10 million units mm-hmm. um of a of a of a you know t- traditional box product you know console game um with a non-realistic art style in fact i think the bar before borderlands exists was like five million units i think borderlands cr- has created a new ceiling but um so that was really scary right so i think there was like this weird tension like well the style isn't right but fuck we don't want to 
we don't want to bring our ceiling down, you know, but it was, it was actually Brian that, that, that tore it off. And what he did was, um, he, what, how I found out about it, like somebody came up to me one day, he's like, dude, Hey Randy, have you seen what Carl's been doing? Carl's is one of, Carl's one of our environment artists. He's mm-hmm. like a brilliant visual guy that can like build a scene and make it look amazing. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, isn't Carl doing what he's supposed to be doing? Like, <laughs> and they're like, come oh. quick, Carl's doing crack. <laughs> and they're like, oh, uh, uh, never mind. You might want to talk to Brian. So I went to Brian. I'm like, what's going on, dude? And he's like, okay. So anyway, you know that problem we've been having with style. So I think I've got an idea, but I need to kind of prove it. I can't explain it. I see it in my head, and I need some guys that I can kind of work through it with. And I'm kind of just doing that. <laughs> he's just kind of like he just commandeered a few people and just did it like as a skunk works kind of under operation i'm like okay first of all you're awesome for trying to solve that problem secondly like no wonder all the producers hate you because you randomize process and just take time but it's like okay <laughs> um sure so we made a deal i get he had like five guys and he had three weeks and he was going to make a demo and that was the deal that we made and then in three weeks i was going to look at this demo and i was going to make a call like we were going to it was going to show us something or or sorry thanks for wasting our time so and I remember like the third week they set up the demo and Brian left town like he went he went <laughs> like he he and his wife they had like oh we got some family thing in you know Minnesota and like he was gone <laughs> and his feet like, like he was like Fred Flintstone's feet and, move before you know, he actually I, left I make fun of it but I, I think I think it was honest I think he actually had that trip planned well in advance of the demo but anyway he wasn't there that day I always like to make fun that he just was afraid <laughs> to be there and the other guys were so nervous and I remember going into the going into the room and there was just like there was just the five guys that were just the Skunk Works guys and they were the only guys that knew what they what they had and they had this little demo that they built and uh and i remember walking into it thinking like i have no idea what the fuck they've been doing but no matter what it is like we are just a couple of months from alpha alpha it doesn't matter what it is because i know it's it's big and going to be disruptive and that means i have to shoot it in the head and now i'm thinking like fuck why did i even let them go through weeks because now they're going to be all attached to it and it's going to hurt their feelings somebody's going to quit when i shoot it in the head because there's no way i can let this thing happen it just break all the plans and it would be after it, you shoot it in the head it, it. it would be com- yeah it. <laughs> it would be completely irresponsible for me to let whatever this is be anything more and i you know i i and i was even, i was before i even saw what they had to show me i was regretting even giving them the three weeks i should have just stopped it before it started is what i was thinking but you know something i guess something about what actually led to me letting it happen was better instinct because once it showed up and I saw like it was a pretty awesome representation of of what you see in the final game I was like holy fuck this is like I am inside of a graphic novel and yeah. I've never felt that before like I've never seen that in a video game before and it was it was it was astonishing and it was like okay I want this <laughs> like this is so obviously the right thing and then we had then we you know cuz we knew we wanted it, so and then, then we kind of let the studio all start to talk about it because we had to go through the process. Can we do it or not? Yeah. What will it cost for us to do it this way instead of what we're doing? Like, because we basically are, re, you know, restarting the art direction. How can we afford to even make this this move? And so we had to kind of make, widen it up, open the kimono, let everybody kind of understand, and go through the process of figuring out if we can do it. By the time we were done with that, the studio feeling was, oh, we have to do this. So it wasn't like a oh fuck surprise it was like the studio's like you have we have got to find a way this is the most amazing thing ever and everybody was so fired up but I had the problem like you know we're an independent developer it's our brand and all that but you know we have a publishing partner that has a lot at stake and a lot invested so I'm like fuck I gotta go tell you know I gotta tell the the 2k games guys I gotta tell take two and those guys that were doing this they might not agree with us so so I I took a demo and I, I made it I had a video made um I think we accidentally 
left the video on like the PC disc, so somebody ripped it and put it on YouTube. Oh. So if you want to watch it, it's cool. It's like the prototype video, oh, no. and it's if you if you YouTube um, Greenfields Borderlands because there was this old song that my dad had this album from like the 1940s or something. It was uh, the Brothers Four. This is an old band, and they had the song called Greenfields, and it was like this acapella, you know. It's like green fields are gone now, parched by the sun, you know, and it's like all this really it's cool, fucking cool and yeah. So like, and, I t- and it's like 1940s, so it's all scratchy record. Yeah. And so I took the song and I kind of recut it a little bit because I didn't like the chorus was good, but like they did this weird kind of bit and like the third measure that that didn't work so I actually removed that and re I remade the song. <laughs> <laughs> you, if you listen to the original Fuck that to dead musicians. I, you know, I'm a dick that way, but I improved it, I think, but you know, it's up to you to decide. But anyway, and I took that song and I and I and and this the couple guys from the cinematics team took some shots from yeah. the demo and put them together and made this little this little scene and and uh, and that's what I brought to 2K and I show up to you know in Nevada, California to their offices and I had my USB key with this on there. And I'm like, all right, guys, this is going to be a shock. But anyway, you know, so and I took the the head creative guy and I showed him the video first. I just let him see the video. And then uh, and, you know, it it did the same thing to his mind that it did to mine. Because I knew I knew that the creative people and the marketing people were probably going to be easy. And it was just the production people. that are going to shit their fucking pants. (laughs) Right. So like so I kind of like subjugated and went in there and, you know, planted seeds with uh, with all of the the more creative types and the, the marketing types before I, you know, put it in front of the PD guys and then we all then we had everybody together in one of their conference rooms and we ran the live demo and you know and showed them and and what's cool is before we showed up we had already done the math on what it was going to take so we already figured out all the production yeah. process so when all the PD people were like what the fuck like we're like no dude look check it out we can do this oh, nice. and, and it was uh, and everybody everybody thumbs up it and that was one of those great rare examples of the the publisher being on the team of the talent did that supporting put- the talent did that push the release date at all, or did um, you guys just double t- double time? We hadn't announced a release date oh, yet. Oh, great! So we did. See, that's going back to yes. the yeah. shit smart. That's right. We, yeah, Grand Theft Auto Five. Had, Where the fuck are you? <laughs> we had we had a little flexibility there, so it, it actually. Um, in, and as we started to look at what window we should be targeting, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't a lot of great options, and so we found a spot that we were able to hit, and that spot was in October of two thousand nine. And it was kind of there was a couple of things that were big that were coming out in September, like oh I don't know Halo, and there were you know and then there was a couple of things that come out big that are in November, yeah. like oh I don't know Call of Duty, <laughs> right? So like we have this tiny little window squeaking in between a Halo and a Call of Duty game. We're gonna have our little humble little shooter show up with our tiny little marketing budget and our little development budget, and that's we we like that's our only spot. And how it turned out that we were able to make that with the plan we had, so we nailed it. When and, you're looking at release dates, how far do you want to go between these giant? Like release dates, like is it? Because I know with movies, it's the kind of thing where like Iron Man will come out, and then we can do we can go next week. If you well, yeah, movies are a little different. But if you could wave a magic wand, um, the best solution would be if those other games just didn't even exist. Sure, (laughs) because they create a vacuum, and it's not what it really is. It's not necessarily that you can't find a customer, because you know the reality of entertainment is there's not a portion of of the reality is there's not there's not competition right Mm -hmm. like sometimes there are six months where there's not a damn thing in the movie theater that you want to go see then like you remember that year when a harry potter movie came out like the same week as lord of the rings and Mm -hmm. guess what we see them both 
and and the entertainment industry tends to expand and contract based on the quality of the promises. So like the more awesome stuff that's out there, the more we're going to dive into it and want to consume it. And you know, some people with limited budgets they can't consume it all right away, but they're going to get around to it and that revenue. But there's also but it's also like with movies or at least you know I mean when you're talking about Borderlands via uh, Borderlands versus Halo or Call yeah. of Duty, you're talking about like really effective counter programming in a way. Yeah, well, that where you go, oh, this is to- this actually is interesting to release it at this time because it's totally different than the other two things that are around it. That's a rationalization because the flip side of the entertainment expands and contracts based on the quality of the promise. The flip side is there's a real limit. There's a limited, you know, there's some limitations and resources. For example, if you want to have posters on the windows of GameStop, there's only you know, one set of windows in a GameStop. And so whoever's got their poster up, that's it. They're the ones that are going to get the imprint. So, like, if you happen to be trying to sell your game when Call of Duty has their poster up, sorry, Call of yeah. Duty's getting their poster up, you know, and they win. Halo's going to get their poster up. There's a reason why Halo is in September and Call of Duty is in November. Like, the reason why that gap is there so both of them get to have their fucking posters up. Yeah. You know, and, like, we didn't get posters. Like, we didn't. So, like, that whole opportunity was missed for us. Now, in Borderlands 2, we got all the fucking posters we wanted. <laughs> you know, Borderlands 1 was, like, a miracle to those guys. Like, yeah. we moved the needle for every business, you know, for retail, for the public. Publishers for every for the first parties Sony and Microsoft like we move the needle for everybody. So, but in a publisher's I like book of like this is how we can make the most money and this is how we can reach the most people. Is there like a window of like well okay, there's a big release we have to do it we have to do at least three weeks out after them. There's there's some science to it. Yeah. There's also some art and some tradecraft to it as well. So um, but yeah, there's some science. I mean, and, and and some of it has to do with exactly what I was saying or ad buys, right? Like yeah. the, you know, there's. There's only you know there's only so many um, spots on television that you can get for video game content, right? And if some other games bought up all the spots with the right demographic, then you, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, you, right. you can't the spots are claimed, right? So it, you know timing is is a big part of it. Yeah. When you're looking at different platforms, how how much does that inform how you design a game? Where you go, well, if we're gonna have it on. You know, if we're going to have it on this platform, if we're going to have it on PC, or if we're going to have it on console, or you know, if we, God forbid, there's some sort of a mobile element to this game. How does that inform how you design the game? Because each platform is going to dictate how you interact with the game, and that yeah. obviously says a lot about. I mean, you know, it's like with, it the, is, with the yeah. Diablo, it's like, well, it's, you know, it was a point and click because there's just not a lot of action. Yeah, Diablo. When you're doing this. I'm really curious. I'm really. I can't wait to try Diablo three on the PlayStation four because I don't like. To me, oh, how yeah. do you do? It? Like to me, yeah. it's like I need a mouse. Yeah. You know? what, what if it's still just a point and click? <laughs> oh, God. See, uh, that, that would suck, right? So I, I don't think Blizzard. No, they won't do that. Blizzard's really good, so they're yeah, probably they not going to do that because that would suck. That. So they probably thought of something, and yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated. They're probably doing some new UI for how you trigger your abilities instead of clicking the numbers on the keyboard or clicking the icons on the screen. They're probably doing something else or using the buttons or the D-pad in some interesting selection kind of way. I don't know, but we'll all get to experience that, and it'll be a great lesson for all of us, you know, humble designers that only aspire to be as good as Blizzard. Um, but but yeah, it's multi-platform games. Like on one like on one level, if you remember the dream, like I'm an entertainer. How many people can I reach, and to what extent can I gratify them? So when you think about that first metric, how many people can I reach? The more platforms, the better, right? There are some people that own PlayStation that don't own Xbox. Sure. There are some people that own PC that don't own either console, and so on. In fact, the crossover is surprisingly low. You'd be in the real world; it's an astonishingly low number. Of, I like, actually I have everything, so I'm like, oh, every, you know, it's easy. Yeah. And a lot of us that make things kind of trick ourselves, um, and you know, get confirmation bias because we have that experience we think everyone has that experience right. but in fact no there's extremely low crossover yeah because because really? it yeah i because it takes a lot of energy to 
port your brain over to a bunch of different platforms, and you just get really comfortable with one that's with one, one choice. Where that's like, one part of it, and another part of it, they're not free. Right? They're not so, free. So yeah. you know, it turns out that you know there's a there's a whole lot of people, um, even in even in you know we're in America, the wealthiest country in the world, and it turns out. Most people don't have all the fucking money. It's actually pretty fucked up the way yeah. the way the balance is. So you say you you, can, you know you can't buy you can't buy the Xbox with the with the biggest hard drive and a and a PS3 or a PS4 soon or and also like a crazy Alienware like a Falcon Northwest right. customized yeah, you know gaming right? laptop. So so we so that part makes us wish to be on as many platforms as possible if we want to entertain all those people. But but then it also creates these problems because there's differences with the platforms. Fortunately, the controllers between what Sony tends to do and what Microsoft tends to do are pretty close. They have the same number of inputs mostly. Like yeah. There's subtleties to them and we have to account for those subtleties. Um, you know, The triggers are really nice to fire the gun with on the Xbox where it's actually kind of better to fire the the, you know, use use the shoulder button as a trigger on the PlayStation controller. It just feels better that way. So, and, and and then that causes us to invest in things like, hey, now there's a there's a place you can go in the options menu where you can pl- you can configure it however you want. You can assign the buttons however you want to, so that you can customize the controls for yourself. Oh, and we've also preset it. So if you've already played, for example. Call of Duty, we have like a set called Tour of Duty, and it's like basically the <laughs> yeah. same interface. Or like if you played Halo, yeah. we have like Ring World, and you can like, <laughs> oh, if, I, if I pick Ring World, that means this is going to be the grenade button because that's what it is in Halo, and you know it just tends to. And, and we kind of think that we solve those problems ahead of time. So, but but it is it is difficult, and and one of the things that really sucks is there's performance differences. Like in this generation, the um, the Xbox is a l- generally a little more powerful than the PlayStation Three. There's some couple of, of subtle advantages it has, so, so it tends to be a, 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 so the lowest common denominator is the PlayStation Three. And meanwhile, like the high end of the PC is just extreme. And you know, so like for example, when you look at when you watch a trailer or see demos for upcoming video games that are multi-platform, you're almost always seeing content that's PC content. Yeah, and it's always. Frankly, it's a little bit dishonest, right? Because if you're a console customer, what you're going to actually see, like when you play the big games on the console and you've seen this beautiful high definition, every texture is high fidelity, you know, in the demo or the trailer or whatever you saw. And then when you play it on the Xbox or the PlayStation 3, the textures are muddier. You know, they're lower fidelity materials Mm. on the surfaces. Sometimes there's lower resolution um, uh, models and assets in the game just because the processors aren't as powerful as the high-end PCs. Um, You know, this, this is... This is a this is a real a real challenge and like so so what do you do you have two options one is just you know leverage the fact that the PC is most powerful and the, the people that get to play that have a have a, that amazing experience and and you get to use that experience as your marketing front face right um, and the, or or the other choice you can make is well nerf the PC you know let's go for plat- <laughs> let's go for platform parity so we're so everyone's seeing the same content you know and you know we've we've done it all different ways and it's there's no winner like every like each way we've tried it some you know there's there's angst from one there's platform segment that there's segment yeah. That, that, that yeah exactly there's a segment that complains and you know but <laughs> we'll just, there's we'll just, always a segment that right, complains you know, so, but it, it sucks if you're an entertainer because you really just exist to try to make people happy yes right? i know so that if you exist to try to make people happy and you never can it's like this endless like oh god well first of all i've never i and then, I, and then I, we just cry ourselves asleep i love that idea that you can <laughs> think cuz i've never heard and maybe they all think this but just i've never heard an, another um I've never heard another game designer refer to themselves as an entertainer, you know, which yeah. is a much more 
is, is a little bit more of a, an art, an artistic way of referring to that, and and because it, it, it really that's really what it is. It is. It is. And well, that that's my I, that's what I figured out is why I exist. You know, it's why I used to you know why I did theater in school and why I, you know did comedy and why I did um, why I did magic. You know, I just for some reason. I am only happy if I feel like I'm affecting other people in a way that makes their life more interesting or better or kind of makes them laugh or feel good or something or just feel anything. Like it's, unless I'm affecting someone else, I'm not doing anything worthwhile. And some of us just happen to be built that way. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of cool things we can do, right? There's a lot of ways that a life can be spent in a worthwhile way that helps our species, right? Like some people figure out how to become doctors and help us live longer lives. Or some people you know, become police officers or join the military and help us live safer and more secure lives or some people become civil engineers and help our roads or bridges be better and faster so that we can have more efficient lives but the what i figured out at some point was all of that is cool but if i remove joy and happiness from my experience and if we remove joy and happiness from all experience then life would be worthless like it's only because of joy and happiness that life has any meaning at all and and it's when i realized that that i kind of decided that the most noble people in the world are those that kind of create happiness and joy for for the rest of us there's no question that we do the most important work absolutely oh, no no there, there, no seriously imagine <laughs> imagine the universe imagine the world where there, no one experienced any joy and happiness like that like why is why? that matt myra's world <laughs> <laughs> what i don't think it's hard to imagine uh, <laughs> uh fuck you and hey, fuck you see that's we'd exactly. all be, thank you for joining he's us. doing it he's doing it jonah hey, hey is it we'd all be al-qaeda or something you know? <laughs> hey by the way did uh did Valve drop their little hardware game controller thing that they were doing? What about it? Did they stop doing it? Did they abandon it? Well, what, what's funny is that's one of those great examples. Like, what's what's the actual narrative there? Valve never really announced anything. There was a clearly there was some hardware company that they had some kind of interaction with. Yeah. And that hardware company, they already made devices that fit in a box that were pretty yeah. neat and compact. And that hardware company, I think, kind of exploited that interaction to create this meme that oh, there's a Steam box. There's never been like the Steambox product page. There's never been the right. Steambox press release. There's never been any announcement from Valve. There, you know, there had been plenty of times when Valve's been looking at hardware, right? They're, oh, I'm hi- we're hiring hardware specialists, and who knows what the fuck they're making? They could be making glasses that have you know Google glasses for all we know. They yeah. could be trying and, to take and, down and, Dyson and with a fact, cool vacuum cleaner. Yeah, exactly. But but we like there was there, you know one of the guys did a white paper about that kind of other kind of stuff. So so but I think what happened was the community kind of put all this together and just made an expectation that there was never actually a promise about. Um, I, I think that it's, you know, if, if I had a platform like Steam uh, and my platform, because of the way it works, I'm dependent upon the PC and I'm dependent upon Windows. And I know Microsoft's a little strange and they're doing weird things with Windows. Like what, what, what's Windows 8? What's the future of PC going to be? Are they going to be selling Dials. more PCs or less? Uh, is Windows 8, eight going to be better or worse? For and, and I'm dependent on Like I don't, if they just suddenly evaporated, I cease to exist, right? So if I was living in that world, I would be thinking about hardware. I'd be thinking about, could I maneuver quickly enough where I could exist in the event that Microsoft suddenly evaporates, like and and, I, and so that that's kind of a natural thing for them to explore. But I think the ecosystem such where they don't need to race at that, right? right. Windows is healthy. We're all able to play Steam. They're still growing the customer base on Steam, so there's no real reason for them to race at dropping their own hardware. Um, they probably flirted with like, hey, let's endorse something, or you know, maybe we can put our brand on something because it's cool. But it, you know, I think the reality is there's just no 
no actual. You can deal play there. Steam on Mac. People like to do that, and that's cool, and that's growing. Yeah, and Val, you know, I, I actually encourage more of that. All I think thirteen Val, of those games, I play them. Like, I know how much Valve's made off of our games. I I encourage them to invest as much of that as possible into making the platform bigger and better. By the way, going back to something you said earlier, I really just had this really uh, this idea to create a Glados vacuum cleaner. Hell yeah, dude! Which is basically like a Glados shaped vacuum cleaner that just sassed you the entire time. You know, like on ThinkGeek. ThinkGeek. There's probably like four or five yeah. dozen customers. I'm gonna I'm gonna product. talk to the ThinkGeek guys. Let's make the Gla- maybe I'll see if I can convince them to be that be the April Fool's joke next year. The Glados vacuum cleaner. <laughs> That would be fucking amazing. Oh, that'd be awesome. Not now that you said it. Yeah. Ah, shit. Yes, nah, I ruined. ruined it. It's ruined. Do you need me to make an edit? No! Okay. Um, <laughs> how much of... How much Boner of, farts. <laughs> how much, of, how much of, of game designing now is is actual coding and programming versus like having some sort of a shell program or having some sort of a an engine that you can plug things into? Or a shell of, company where you're moving money around. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's more, that's more you know, point and click. Well, about a third of the craftspeople, the tradesmen in our studio, are programmers so if by that metric you know oh about a third of its programming but that being said uh we build a huge amount of scaffold what we call scaffolding which are like sure. tools and the, the, like the, the programming is actually creating access to what you're really doing the, mm-hmm. the pr- programming is like one of the things that makes it possible for example to offer 87 bazillion guns like i i don't know what the exact count is uh it's in the it's actually in the guinness book of world records they have the exact count like we have the world record for most guns in a video game <laughs> that's not the number of guns that, it, that we've created the number of tools and pieces of equipment and gear it's just not possible for for human teams to craft that many. So we, we built software that actually procedurally generates it for us. <laughs> and and that's pretty neat, right? Like the computer is making shit. Like, um, great, self-aware. Great. So yeah, when Skynet happens, scary. they already have a program that can build we it. Got, we got it, yeah. 3D just, printers of guns. Yeah, well, you, you plug the 3D printer into the Borderlands fa- you know, yeah. well, Skynet, AI system and boom, Skynet. <laughs> Skynet Skynet's not, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever believed the idea that Skynet would start as a defense system. Skynet, hey, Skynet be would be a video here. game. You are a- absolutely. You're a no Skynet engineer, it. so let's hear it. No <laughs> doubt about it. Let's let, let's give Congress more ammunition to yeah. cause problems for our industry. <laughs> Skynet starts as a video game, certainly. Yeah, we need to put a little uh, some more restrictions on video games. <laughs> yes, because you know that's coming. I don't, I don't, and and I don't the guy that says it has that voice. That's his accent. I'm from Nevada. I'm from Massachusetts. Look at this. They're trying to put a net over. Our sky. <laughs> Are you going to let video games, <laughs> video games into? Uh, uh, you can never well drink done. a sweet tea on the porch because there's a net up on the sun. <laughs> well, I think he's saying we should outlaw all video games. Yes, exactly no, I'm saying outlaw the sun. <laughs> I'm really have, having difficulty telling which side I'm you're not on. Sure, where I am. <laughs> You're, uh, I'm old and no one can fire me. He's on the sides of the robots. Get him. <laughs> he is a robot. Oh, these Jim Crow laws have to go. Did you are, robot are, discrimination? That's the new problem. Damn, we just aren't letting robots and humans marry. It's damn it. I you know I you know I, that's going to be a social issue of the future. By the I way, I have an old I have a really old bit that I I was never able to make it work, but it was all about robot racism. It's like human beings are predisposed to. Uh, to you know, like basically sectioning off in groups and then pointing fingers at yeah. other groups, and when people people will point to robots, I mean, it's sort of it's like, almost certain, right? It's sort of the Asimov thing, like there's Absol- a little oh, yeah, 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 where, yeah, you know, where when it, Asimov's rules go by the wayside, then yeah, it's like, that, that it's sort of that yeah. it's sort of like that, that that will be the next. They are you second know, class citizens that they're trying to acclimate. You know, well, it's it's almost it's almost inevitable that we will be able to create intelligence. We'll be able to create consciousness, and it's it's almost inevitable that that some some of the consciousness we're able to create synthetically will be more advanced than what our own brains are capable and of. Some will be malicious, and some will, some might be malicious. That's 
that's that'll be something we're all gonna. Oh, have to do you guys do you guys have some sort sort of a bat cave where that shit's going on? <laughs> you know, I wish I am I am resentfully jealous of the people that get to exist. You know who's doing that? Thousand years from now, you know who's doing they're that? They're gonna have such awesome stuff. I'll tell you who's doing it is Sergey. Sergey Brin is doing oh, yeah, it. Probably there's like under the entire Google yeah. campus is the biggest yeah, he's got... real bat cave with insane. Yeah. Like I'm sure he's that's where the Metroid mother brain is. Oh right? my like, god. <laughs> Oh it's my! Sitting there right now, you thought that was fiction. There's, no. <laughs> there's, there's, Let's get our eyes shot. <laughs> there's weird sort of like uh, quadrupedal uh, uh, appliances that are pets. And uh, every time you Google something, you make it, you help it along. Yes, you feed that brain. You feed that mother brain. But you know, I'll tell you, well, I should it, bing it everybody. Some, someday, I mean, it's it's also almost inevitable that like all of the places we are not sufficiently progressive as a species like it's almost inevitable that we'll get all past that right like all the things that people think are big deals now oh no someday we'll all figure out that humans are cool and everybody's differences are cool and then and then it's going to be robots it's going to be like yeah. the, the non-humans but some of the non-humans are going to be really useful and kind of symbiotic with our species yep. and and some of the non-humans will that we've probably created will might will might might be more effective than we are and some of them might be eventually we'll get the capacity to self-replicate and like you know hopefully it's all you know for good uh, and hopefully we all can deal with that as a species but it, it'll be embarrassing if we start to reach those possibilities technologically before we figured out how to actually fucking get along as actual humans ourselves I don't know if that's ever going to happen and, and if, if we can't if we can't progress enough you know with the humanity side of it before we get the technology where the synthetic stuff can beat us then then that then we might have skynet type issues because the the superior synthetic minds we might create will realize that we're just fucking stupid and might want to deal with for our own good or they'll keep us around so they can try to understand love and i we just i just invented a new movie plot so shit let's do it well that's an interesting idea do you how do you what, what any plans to cross over uh or or do or do you just do you feel like you know, like it was funny that when when they when when they announced that uh, that J.J. Abrams and Gaben were talking about like developing stuff together because <laughs> when I talked to him before, he was like, "Well, it's just yeah, the right. I don't know. It'd have to be the right thing, and that's never and and it's very. I feel like it's harder to create a movie from a video game, even more so than a book, because people form such intimate relationships with a video game, and a lot of a video game is a mirror for who their personality is." Then yeah. how do you represent that in in one linear two hours two hour story? So it's it's probably an obvious thing that a lot of folks from Hollywood have come at us trying to get you know options for our brands. Like Borderlands is a great one. And, Can I just have it? And there's there's um, I thought maybe that'd be the clever way to get it. <laughs> and Brothers in Arms. And in fact, I, there was a we get we actually gave an option to some some folks a while back for that. Um, and then um, there was you know there's Duke Nukem, and there's been some interest here and there about that. And there's you know so so that you know obviously we've kind of thought about that problem a lot. And and like on one hand, like oh it'd be awesome to have a movie, you know. But on the but like you know we're doing all right. We don't need it. And you don't want to risk fucking up your brand. Like I'm in no hurry to see a bad movie made. You know that's not going to help. And like, here's a question: Name a good video game movie. Um, You you can't because the best ones are the Resident Evil ones, and they're not that good. They're 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 not bad, but like also, what do they have to do with the games? Right? Well, yes, they actually like that. That's a problem, right? That's just brand. That's just branding. Oh, they they recognize that name, and the. But I think I think we'll all agree. 
That's Super Mario Brothers, 1990. <laughs> yeah. well, well, you know, it's amazing. It's funny that it works. If we can of, reach that standard. It kind yeah. of Bob Hoskins. That's John Leguizamo. Yeah. That's a good cast. It works both ways, though, if you think about it. Because there's never been a really great video game based on a movie. What about, I like, GoldenEye? I beg to differ. Batman, yeah. Arkham Asylum, Arkham Not based City. on a movie. That's based on the well, comics. Well, that's... Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, what was the one you just said? You might have had the right Golden answer there. Yeah, Golden Goldeneye. Eye. Goldeneye was amazing. Yeah. E.T.? Okay. <laughs> Chippendale's Rescue Rangers was they a great buried, video they, game. They buried all Duck the ET games. Really I liked Aladdin. Yeah, liked Aladdin was Genesis, good too. So. Come on, guys. Yeah, Battletoads turns movie. Out, turns out I was wrong. Yeah. You could probably come up with a few. Yeah, I played. Really worked at it. You'd, the, read the comments later. Yeah. The, your, yeah, your, your audience will help you. I played. I played. I played Battletoads. <laughs> it's not helping. It's hurting. <laughs> I played Battletoads recently. Shut down. At a, at a cafe in Chicago. They, there's a little like video game cafe where they have a. They sell coffee and. It's a it's super fun hipstery cafe, but can anything a, just do one thing anymore? Nope. There's a TV in the back, and they have a bunch of video games, and they had Battletoads. Nice. And, and we played it like the coin up. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, it, no, no, it was the no, not not oh, the coin oh, up. It was the, the Nintendo, Nintendo, the NES. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the NES. And, Did you uh, have to blow in the cartridge to get it to work? <laughs> you, yeah. Well, the, someone had already done that because yeah. it, it was it was clean. It's, uh, it, like that's the one thing that all people that ever played with a Nintendo eight bit like we all have that as a universal yeah that it's all different too like yeah. his was a quick blow yeah. yours is like Mine's a little side to side like a harmonica yeah. Jonah cupped the balls there's some weird yeah. <laughs> oh I would just go like that oh like a harmonica yeah, yeah I'd go harmonica. my friend like he actually broke out the Q tips and uh, the, oh, and the, oh, the oh, rubbing alcohol yeah, 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 he, yeah he would actually get in there and but then yeah, the I contact. remember my friend he goes like works every time and it keeps it good for a while but then like everyone's like no but it harms it and I remember people <laughs> so you got to do the <laughs> like the can, the, the, oh, the compressed, air, the the compressed, compressed air. air. Yeah. yeah, and then there was also like you know, like chunking it in to the actual player. Yeah, there's technique yeah. for that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah like how you, or push like it. almost push it all the way in, and then you just kind of push it down there's and then in. to it. Yeah. Yep. Kuchunk. They finally made like a new one that you actually insert the cartridge yeah. into the top. Yeah, yeah. It's actually foolproof. Yeah. But actually, like they now. made that one like still in the nineties, like yeah, the yeah. little top. Sh- yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Geek can... should make a toaster that you put the bread in like that <laughs> and then push it down that way, and then it... And, you, and it doesn't function unless you blow it first. Yeah. It's got like Some, a breathalyzer. You have to blow into must it first. Have modded like a Dreamcast or something to be a toaster. <laughs> I'm sure, but that I want the awesome. Nintendo. I want to open the door, put my bagel in. And then push you know what it makes down. a great toaster is the original Xbox. It's like you just yeah, lay your true. toast on there. <laughs> <laughs> it has the, it's toasted. You don't have to mod it at all. You, you can actually make entire meals. You just meals plug it in. It you can bake four potatoes at a it's time. Absolutely. You turn into a crepery, just like, oh. Was, <laughs> listen, Get that, the tin uh, foil with the hot dog. It's... That that, uh, that G5 processor really sucked. <laughs> Do you, you are, so, so sort of looking ahead, is it exciting when you know when you see PS4, Xbox One? Oh, my One, God, yes. or, or, or are you, okay, good. So you guys aren't like, ah, fuck, we got to start all over Dude, again and no, figure out this whole other platform. This is like we dream for this moment. We've been so high. We've been moment looking forward to like it. This. And, you know, I, they've both announced now. So, like, we've, we've been able, we've been fortunate enough to have been trusted by these guys. So we've been able to play. We've had some time with the hardware. We're able to influence it a bit. And, yeah. man, it's just, fuck, it's so cool. Both these guys are, it's an amazing race, too, because they both have such amazing devices. Yeah. You know, I think, like, um, like I, I don't, I don't, no, I'm not gonna. I, I know a little bit about what's going on beyond what what the announcements are, so I'm not gonna comment on what people thought about how each sure. one did in their announcements or anything like that. But in terms of the raw hardware, like I really, I really like some aspects of the of the PS4 architecture, and I, that's a really that's a really nice machine, especially when you contemplate what you know the price point's likely to be. It, it's badass, and then you know some of the things that Microsoft's attempting and, and what they're actually succeeding on with the software, and and it's. Man, it's I'm thrilled. But as does, fuck. It, but, like does that, just, but does that change DLC plans when you go? Well, this isn't going to be backwards compatible. So does it make sense to continue this one title 
on this platform that's not. I mean, be yeah, there, there's there's always there's always idiosyncrasies that happen with the transition, right? Like the tail of your game on a current platform, and when you know, do you move it forward? Do you port it to the next gen? Do you just keep supporting it? Like, it, I think it's going to work itself out. I mean, in our case, especially, you know, we launched. Um, we're we're not launching any any new full products for the current gen, uh, and again, so so we we've launched the last of our current gen products. And everything we've got in development is for next gen. Uh, we have some things that we're supporting for current gen, and new like there'll be DLC for for you know our you know both of our most recent games uh, for for the current gen that, that's still to come. Um, and and the reality is, you know, at launch, you know, even if these guys do amazing at launch, what, what are they really going to sell? A couple million units a piece right. at launch, right? So like, meanwhile, there's, still there's a like lot of million, machines, yeah. you know, machines of PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Well, there, it's, not, you know, it's so. not if I get an Xbox One, it's not like I'm going to be like I'm going to chuck the old one. Like, like I'll no, still yeah, you'll hang on to that. One. Yeah, I still have. Fuck, I still have my like Atari C three eighty Pong machine. You know, like so. You know, I mean, some of us are. You know, we just can't get rid of our stuff. But <laughs> we're hoarders. I'm a digital hoarder. Is there anything? Well, I always love going to. You know, at E three, there, there's always a booth which is all the old. Yeah, the video game history like the, museum. We sponsor those guys. Like, Vol, was it Volcom or Vol? Uh, what was the? There was one that was basically just like a little terminal. It was like a black and white the Vectrex. Ter- Vectrex. Yeah, I've got yes. one in my office. You have a Vectrex? Yeah, I do. Oh, that's if awesome. You go, if you ever like in my office, I have. Um, my wife was like, "Hey, dude, you got to get all the fucking old shit out of the garage." Like, we're running out of space. I'm like, "All right." So I like made a museum in my office. So I have like all my consoles throughout the ages on display, and like oh, nice. I've got. I don't have everything, but I've got like. Most of. Do you have an Intellivision? Yeah, well, we yeah. had one of those. Yeah, Tur- TurboGrafx sixteen. Absolutely, it's. I love that. Do you have system. a uh, Sega Madness. Nomad? Um, I do. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, God yeah, damn. Those, those. I have. I have. There's like somebody came was like, I don't see an Americom. I'm like, what the fuck's an Americom? Like, <laughs> uh, but like I have. I have pretty much every major console that ever was launched. Wow. I, yeah. I is was, there? I was any, very fortunate. You know, as we're sort of winding this down, is there any thing you can? hint or leak out or not fluid <laughs> you want me to tell you something that's never been told before yes about, well, about, we don't have to about the next no one's generation. ever done that right no one's ever asked that no one's ever asked that about the next generation about our or games anything or you know like... if there's anything fun that you want to share, share oh too. man a lot of pressure um you know i'm not supposed to do that like okay so one thing that's that people okay so uh, this is uh, this is on the simple side maybe i'll take a bigger risk after i do this one but um uh, the you know we did a season pass for Borderlands Two, and the season pass was like, hey, if you buy the season pass, we're going to be doing four campaign DLCs, and uh, but you only have to you only have to you know you can get all four of them for the price of three if you buy it front, right? So everyone has this expectation that those those will, those will be the four DLCs, and then that's it. Um, we're going to do more. We're going to do some other things. We don't have details yet about exactly like I'm not ready to announce what other things are, but when this next the fourth campaign DLC comes out. It's called Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon's Keep, and I think it comes out near the end of June, like June twenty something. Um, that won't be the end of it. Like we've got we've got more stuff in the hopper that we're we're planning and, and are getting pretty excited about. So so if you are a Borderlands fan, you don't have to be afraid that that's the end of it. So that that's that's probably less risky. But there has been some confusion. A lot of people have assumed, and we we get mail all the time. Like, is that going to be it? You know, tear. Sure. <laughs> it's yeah. hard. It's it is it is a real it's a real bummer when you connect with a game and then it's then it's done. We've 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 built a hobby, you know, and it's awesome. Like like you know, you're talking about Chloe, like Christy, you know, my my wife, she 
dude, she is fucking nuts addicted to Borderlands 2. Like, she has got she has got 59 out of 59 achievements on the Xbox version. She's got, like, two level 61 characters on the PC version. She's got multiple characters that where she's completed the campaign on the PS3. Like, she has consumed the living Where's the shit. time for Randy? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, but it's... No, she's she's amazing. And, um, I mean, she's better than me. But she... Uh, I, t- I married way out of my league. So <laughs> I'm pretty psyched. But... Um, the American dream! Yeah. Yeah, but she's... Uh, she she loves the game, which you're, is like... You're at a table of guys who are way out of the league anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to... Hey, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right! Yeah! Nice. yeah. <laughs> Woo! Um... Fake high five sound. Fake five. Yeah. All right. There you go. <laughs> Butter farts. You're just um, doing the friends theme. Gonna finish first. Oh. The, <laughs> the uh, uh, yeah. So so like I don't want to let her down. So we got to keep going. Of yeah. course. That's uh, you know what that that is actually kind of a. It does become that personal because yeah. the people that you care about, you want them to be proud of what you're doing so it can be as simple as like i don't want to i don't want to let my, my my lady down i'll, I'll give you something yes. um we are building an original ip for the next generation that we'll announce sometime later but we're creating and like we have obviously we have you know borderlands we've got brothers in arms we've got duke nukem and we acquired homeworld recently yeah and so we have all of those great brands um but we're, we're actually creating some new things uh, nice. that, that will announce. randy pitchford hits an original ip which may be out soon <laughs> So that that'll be something to look forward to on November seventeenth. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever say the date. That was not me. That was not ready. <laughs> Someone else. It's, that's going to be a story now. Yeah. You promised. Uh, it's November seventeenth. Uh, that was not told. We us. broke down the audio, and it's clearly you. <laughs> I'm in trouble. You just had the Ghost Hunters guys do it because uh, yeah. they're so yeah. bad. At it. Air, air, obviously, air. it's obviously really it's super low frequency. I, I, I want to give you more, but I, you know, it's not it's not really my place to no. I understand share things, especially with respect to the first parties. You yes, know. of course, you Micro- have to. Microsoft, you have a team. Microsoft should have their narrative, and Sony should have their narrative. No, it's and nice and that you said what you said. They're they're great partners, and I would never wish to cause any of them any harm by talking about. Uh, information they've entrusted us with. Can I <laughs> can I pitch something for a game which I'm sure no one ever does? Sure. Like just an element of a game, just one one sort of puzzle in a room, which is essentially a three dimensional version of Minesweeper, <laughs> which is basically where Wait, you what? basically like a three dimensional version of Minesweeper, where you're in a room and then you have to uncover where all the bombs are by like you get little clues that tell you like within how many cells so you are. So it's like an FPS that you walk around in or Minecraft it's, or something. No, or, it's just one. Or is it like 3D chess, which sucked, right? Like right. No, it's just it's just one puzzle. It's not even a, a whole game around it, but it's just how one about just a room in a game? Like you go in some room, it's like an Easter egg. You go in a room and then it's a minesweeper. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, why don't you just make it so like the room has tiles? Is and this the last you game you play? Spell Jehovah. Sure. It's brand that, the, that hot new game Minesweeper. Hot, hot shit, man! I actually played. I have a Windows phone. I got a Windows eight phone, and I I played Minesweeper. And like, oh, there's achievements because it's now an Xbox Live thing. <laughs> oh, shit. so I played the shit out of. See, Microsoft. who the fuck is making fun of Minesweeper so, now, Randy yeah, Pitchford? Exactly. So I. Apologize. It's simple but fun. I will throw myself under the bus. I should not throw stones. That's all right. I appreciate that. It's good to see you, man. I really appreciate you coming out and doing the I'm show. I'm happy to do it. I'm really glad. I was, like I had a. I, it was really fortunate. I, I did something for some 
I guess friends of yours yesterday, and then I've got a couple other things. So it was really awesome that I was able to come out and do this. But, and, and and when, you guys are a lot of fun. This is cool. Oh. Well, when, whenever we come perform in Texas, I hope I, we yes. can pop by. I'm sure that happens all the time. And wreak some so, havoc. Yeah. Now, if you are in Texas, you're welcome to come by the studio, and uh, we'll give you a warm welcome. Sweet. Um, I'll be there in July. I'll see you then. <laughs> right on. Enjoy a burrito, everybody. <laughs> July is the worst possible time. <laughs> you're welcome. To come to Texas. Yay! Heat stroke. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by LegalZoom.com. Whatever your legal document needs, LLCs, wills, trusts, trademarks, and more, they've got it. Over 12 years and 2 million Americans have used LegalZoom. Start your business to protect your family today at LegalZoom.com using the offer code NERDIST. Once upon a beat, remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fu, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.